are going to do webinars. You are going to do podcasts. You are going to do streaming content. You are going to have Zoom meetings. So you have to learn media skills. You are now a broadcaster. You are now on TV. So you need to learn broadcast TV skills. You need to learn where your hands can go and where they can't go. You need to learn how to use a microphone now instead of just using the open-air microphone with all the background sound. People are going to hate that. We've all been on calls like that, haven't we? So you have to learn how to use the technology and start learning these broadcast skills so your events are flawless, your brand is intact, people feel confidence about your brand, and they see you as still a good leader. Because right now, as we saw through 2020, a lot of leaders really wobbled because they knew they were horrible on camera. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 194 with broadcaster and virtual presentation coach, Rich Bontrager. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, thank you for joining in today. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And joining me as co-host once again for this session is Andy Dix, professional coach for executives founders, idealists, and social entrepreneurs. This, of course, is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and lift lifestyle that you're proud of. You know, when it comes to market value, there are certainly a few companies who came out of nowhere and to be winners in 2020. And one of those big winners due to the pandemic was definitely Zoom. And of course, those of us who have been in the podcasting world had heard about it in the past and might have even used it to record our shows. But when COVID came around, Zoom and similar platforms became the norm as people had to figure out how to communicate with those they'd normally be meeting with, whether that was in business or in the schoolroom. As we're moving forward now, it's pretty easy to see that these common video conferences won't be going anywhere anytime soon. And in fact, just the opposite. People are realizing that they'll need to be able to embrace tools like Zoom and platforms like Clubhouse, which still, as of this recording, hasn't made its way to Android, which is unfortunate since I'm an Android user. But the thing is, is that stages are popping up everywhere around the web. And just like any stage, you know, it's going to be better to have a presence and perform well on a stage as opposed to being a background character, especially if it's your own meeting. And today's guest, Rich Bontrager, also known as the Trigger, realized pretty quickly that there was a need for people to rock the virtual stage, just as if they were preparing to be on the traditional stage. And just like he learned to overcome the issues that he has used to become the powerful presenter that he is today, he feels that it's his mission to help others do the same. So in our conversation of the day, The Trigger shares with us how he's leveraged negative experiences in life to push him forward, how he has become a better communicator over the years, and things we should be thinking about as we host our own Zoom calls. But first, let's talk about my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission. And as we have this conversation with Rich, you're going to learn that he has learned to overcome 
many things to get to where he's at today. And the truth is you might have to as well. And a big part of accomplishing meaningful work in life is realizing what's important to you and how you can impact those around you. And in fact, that's where most people get into trouble. The world makes us focus on income so that we can pay our bills and have nice things. However, it really doesn't tell us the best way to do that for us personally. Finding what you should be doing in your journey will require you to dig a little deeper than just going with the flow of what society tells you to do. It actually requires you to find your purpose, your passion, and your specific process. And just like when you're traveling, if you don't know where you are, then it's going to be hard to get to where you want to be. And if you think of making money as a road to really where you want to go, doesn't it make sense to make sure that the road takes you specifically to the right destination? So if that makes sense to you, then I'm sure you're going to appreciate Uncover Your Personal Mission. And in it, you'll find the questions that will help you find your passion, purpose, and process. And that way you don't get lost trying to be someone else when you're building your business. You can grab it for free at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Also, remember, you too can get in on this conversation. All you have to do is tag us on social media and let us know what you've learned from the discussion so far. Also, be sure to leave a comment on wherever you're listening to the show on. Doing so will not only get you involved, but it will help other people find the show. In fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. And while you're at it, subscribe to the show there as well. That way, you'd be notified whenever a new episode is available. Also, remember, if you need help in scaling your business, drop us a message at heyguys at newinceptions.com with any of your questions or simply if you want to be connected to other amazing people, uh, it's a great way to do so because we love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 194. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, this is JC Preston and Andy Dix, coach of executives, founders, and idealists, and also the host of the Hoopful Hoosier podcast. Andy, what is up? It's been a while since you've been on. What's uh, what's new for you these days? Well, 2021 is here, my friend, and and we've made it. And and what a happy event that is, right? Happy New Year to <laughs> you. Uh, right, and, thank and you. I spent my time uh, the last couple of months putting together a little free ebook. And, and I think mm. it's available. It's going to be available for your audience. They can download it. Uh, and it's called 31 Questions Only You Can Answer. And it's really designed to get you to wrestle with a really challenging question that has the potential to really change your mindset, maybe get some breakthrough thinking happening. One question a day. So it's a little uh, executive coaching, one question at a day in book form, and you can download it for free, and we will put the uh, link to my site in the show notes. How's that? How about you? Well, you know, it was just one of those things. Uh, 2020 was definitely a year of reflection and just uh, going through all kinds of uh, new decisions and, and looking forward really to implementing a lot of these things as we're going here. And in 2021, because I think a lot of people spent a lot of their time really defining who they were and what was important to them. And, you know, this year's really, I think, uh, really executing about on those those realizations. And one of the things that I think is a, a sure for sure thing going forward is that many small and medium sized businesses have been rocked with, with the pandemic and they're really no longer going to be you know, relying on, on the old ways of thinking and, and doing things. And I think a lot of people have realized that LinkedIn, especially in 2020, 
has become the, the Facebook of the B2B world where a lot of people were really kind of using it as a resume in the past. And I think more people are realizing that they have to build a personal brand of some sort on on that on the platform. And I think I I I think there's a something to be said about looking forward to a world where it's really not going to be about the traditional labels of B2B and B2C. Uh, I think there's a lot of, there's a train, a school of thought that talks about P2P person to person as how businesses are going to be operating in the future. And I think what many that were strictly ways of communicating with consumers in the past, I think a lot of B2B traditional B2B businesses are going to start looking at the realizing and using those, those tactics as well. And one of those things is actually using Zoom and other virtual platforms to not simply communicate, but to actually connect. And there's one thing I know about connecting is that you know people really tend to resonate with those who can communicate their story and, and how they can make an impact with those, those folks that are around them. And today's guest, uh, Rich Bontrager, who goes by Trigger, uh, as someone who's spent a lot of good part of his career with with top professionals, helping them uh, broadcast and developing their stage skills to help them have a more significant impact on the audience that they're trying to reach. But today he actually helps those same people with the virtual stage. And Rich can be found at richbontrager.net. And uh, Rich, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you very much, JC. Andy, great to be here with you guys. Hey, it's good to have you today. So, Rich... I actually go by Trigger. I'm sure there's a bit of a story there, but the story I'm interested in is is your 30-year history as a sports broadcaster, talk show host, and and a keynote speaker. And while doing that for many people would uh, come easy, that might not necessarily be the case for you. In fact, I'm sure growing up that no one would have actually put you as having that career because you've been a lifelong stutterer who, you know, just that just is something that most would think would be completely out of the ballpark. Maybe one of the things that would have fit more into your early idea of who you might have been is the the whole comic book uh, store owner part. You know that 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 kind of sinks more into you know someone that would have that issue. So let's kind of go into that a little bit. As someone who's had this lifelong stutter, how were you called into a life of speaking in the first place, and what? You know that I, I'm I'm sure that that would actually detour a lot of people in that kind of situation. How did it not like hinder where you went into? Well, it actually, hindered me greatly. In in fact, during my broadcast schooling day, uh, I I had a college professor tell me flat out, "You have a great voice, uh, but no one's going to hire you because you can't do news. You stutter." Uh, obviously, we all knew that I stuttered. Uh, we now joke about that. After 30 years of doing this professionally, he laughs and says, "Boy, I was totally wrong with that one." Um, the, the way I really got hooked into this, you guys, was that I grew up in Northern Indiana and I grew up listening to Cubs baseball and mm-hmm. listening to Harry Carey. And mm-hmm. especially when the Cardinals and the Cubs would play, I heard Vince Scully, Harry Carey, and I would listen to these guys and they would paint a picture and they would do sports broadcasting. Um, there was just an amazing stories they would weave through and you could smell the popcorn, you could feel the dust in the air and i thought i want to do that i want to do this type of storytelling and i want to have this career plus i was a sports junkie so i just went after it uh and yes i stuttered but it took a while to learn how to get over the stutter to be confident and find my own voice because i did trip over i cannot do hard news to this day someone else's script is not going to be my script but i can ad lib i can use my passion I can use uh, my crazy um, imagination that I have 
It helps storytell. So a lot of my personal skills as an awkward stutter actually paid off going behind the microphone. Mm. Mm. And you've had some different instances in your life where, you know, a lot of people would have used those as excuses as not moving forward. Um, how have you been actually able to use those instances to uh, really propel yourself into doing things again that, you know, other people that are around you wouldn't necessarily think that, again, those are in your, in your cards as, as you're going through your career? Well, the first thing, JC, is I'm very optimistic. Uh, I also speak on defying the odds. That's one of my main mantras. I want people to learn how to defy the odds. So I was supposed to be dead at birth. I was possibly going to die at a burn accident. I just went through a liver transplant recently. Uh, all things that, like you said, normally would probably take pe people out, uh, either emotionally or physically or something. Um, but I had this great sense of adventure. I believe life is a great adventure, and therefore – uh, I get up every day trying to figure out how the heck to do this thing and keep on going. And 2020, the year of COVID, was another one of those times to pivot, to reinvent. I've done this three or four times in my life. So to me, it wasn't as hard as some people. So my positive attitude, my entrepreneur skills, again, my visionary skills, if I can see the unseeable. Uh, so I, I actually believe we can go after it. We can go do it. Uh, but you have to have a lot of passion to go do it. Have you always had, I mean, was there one of the, the culminating instances where you suddenly got that perspective? I mean, for a lot of people, um, it might not necessarily be your own experience, but it might be, so, you know, someone else, there might have been a death in the family or something like that. And maybe that person that, that passed away didn't necessarily have the opportunity to pursue anything in their life. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear where you where your things thing changed for you. Yeah, mine really came to fruition when I was 10 years old. I went through that burn accident. Uh, mm. And I have a very strong faith. And my faith collided with a 10-year-old that could not play football. That was in a burn ward. And my faith came very much alive that I really could believe in um, living a full life, still overcoming. I do believe in the miraculous, the amazing. So my faith became very much a part of my story. And therefore, also, it helped me with my stutter. Because if I can mm. bounce back as a 10-year-old and get back out there and go wrestling with my leg wrapped up from a burn, when the doctor said, by the way, don't go wrestle. Uh, but I did it anyways. <laughs> and so I just believed I could go do these things again like a normal teenager uh, the same thing with my stutter. When they said, you can't do this, I really believed that I had this passion, I had this calling, um, this yearning to go do it. So you know what? Don't tell me what I can't do. I'm going to defy the odds, and I'm literally going to live my life this way over and over again. You know, it's funny. Uh, you think about it. It's kind of a biblical story because even Moses was a supposed stutterer. Yes. and was chosen to go and communicate an important message uh, and had to overcome that as well with a little help from Aaron, right? And so I, I guess in your experience being a pastor of a church and being a live broadcaster and now a public speaker, you know, a key to effective communication is really knowing your audience and knowing your message, of course. And when you were communicating as a broadcaster and as a minister, what do you think you learned most from those very different experiences that, that have made you a more effective communicator? 
Well, number one, Andy, is that I, I do conversations. Uh, whether I was preaching or whether I'm doing a broadcast, uh, I am not going to give you a hard speech. I'm not going to do a sermon if you're used to a sermon. I'm going to give you a conversation. I want you to feel like you're at the ballpark with me, sitting next to me in the dugout, and we're talking about the game, and you just get the best view, the best seat. So I turn it all into a very conversational relationship because then you can imagine, you can feel, you can sense the same thing with being a pastor. Then you can feel the story. It's not someone telling you what to do. It's someone taking you into the adventure of Moses, which I highly related to, and I use it a lot. And it helped break that stereotype of this guy's a rock star. This guy's got his act all together. Instead, it began the conversation of he doesn't have it all together, but look at him. He's still defining the odds. He's still going forward. Hmm, maybe I can do this too. And that conversational voice has been my main way of doing everything that I do. That's great. So how did you come to starting that pastor situation? Because like I, I've heard multiple reasons that of people, they go out into the world, do a few things, but they had this calling, this itch to start their own church or become a pastor at one or that already existed. How did you how did you get into that into that work? Well, that was clearly one of those callings, yeah. So when I went through those teenage years, I was heavily involved with the church and I did feel that calling. And that calling was fanned by uh, a very influential pastor in my life and my family's life. And in spite of my stutter, he was one of those people that kept breathing into and literally telling me, you know what? You are called. Yeah, you you stuttered. Yes, you have an obstacle, but you know what? He was the first guy that put me on stage, and I did my first sermon as a teenager in our church, and I didn't stutter the whole way through it. And then I did a drama uh, in my college year that went on a drama tour to do Christian ministry, and we literally had a drama event that was not going well. The rehearsals were horrific, you guys. I mean, I was stumbling and bumbling. It was affecting my teammates. And we did a dry run through the, the last week before we're going to take off on the road for 10 weeks. The centerpiece drama, 45 minute drama. And I was the big bad Roman soldier being the tough guy. And I was bombing horribly. I literally stepped up on stage that night and did it without a hiccup, without a miscue, without a misstep. We walked off stage and my teammates wrapped around me and the director wrapped around me and said, what just happened to you? Where did you go? Because that was not rich. That was the Roman soldier. And that just added gasoline to me saying, okay, I, you know what? I guess I'm supposed to do this. I guess my mouth can do the big stuff. And that just fueled it and fueled it more of, you know, I'm going to trust God more than the naysayers. And I'm just going to keep opening up my mouth. And during that 10 weeks, I became the spokesperson for the team, which was not in the initial plans at all. <laughs> so I really learned on the fly step up to the microphone and just trust that what I have to say is of importance and I can work through it. I, I kind of feel like I have somewhat of the opposite issue, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of times my brain goes much faster than my, my mouth. Right. And so I'll be having all these mini conversations of things that I'm wanting to say as, you know, as soon as the words kind of come out and then it's just like, Oh, I haven't quite said those things yet. Maybe I should backtrack and, Oh, and then it get you just kind of get, get lost in thoughts. And I remember going back as far as even my time during college was the only time that I had a communication uh, classes that I was that even back then I was always like a deer in headlights. 
And it's like, I, it didn't matter how much time I put into getting ready for a speech or, you know, talking about something, even if I knew it down to the T, I just felt like I had to be perfect in front of the microphone. And from what I understand from where you're at, like you felt that as you were practicing, but when you actually got up there, it just became a completely different experience. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, two things, JC, happened. First of all, you touched on number one, my brain and my mouth would not sync up. And I talk about this on stage all the time. I had two different speeds going on, and that's where the stutter would collide. I literally had to practice to get my brain and my mouth in gear. And I joke about it a lot. But when I found that rhythm, when I found that I could sync these two up and make it one engine, uh, it changed the whole thing now. And I will cut and paste and edit my language because I'll feel a stutter word going to come on. But now that I control the speed of it, I can edit my phraseology. And 90% of the time, people do not know I stutter. Many people that have heard me speak have said, come on, that's a joke. No, I really do. But because I've adjusted the speech pattern, that's a big, big part of it. And then, yes, it does become the confidence. And then it also becomes the messages of so importance. So now I have the confidence to give you the message because now I have control of the engine behind it all. So yeah, there was mm-hmm. a lot of learning going on. Isn't it interesting that the cadence or the the flow rate that we speak, we, we kind of have sort of one default and and we don't think of sort of the music of what we're trying to say and speed it up or slow it down, which of course adds a lot of emphasis and interest in what we're saying. But how can somebody actually learn how to do some of that in a very natural way and not st- sound stilted, but but take full advantage of changing up their pace a little bit? Oh, that's a great question, Andy, because, yeah, that's, that's what I coach. So your voice is now an instrument. Like, I played percussion. My brother was a trombonist. Uh, you can learn how to play your voice like an instrument now. Most people think you have to scream. Most people think you have to get really animated and crazy. Um, it really is... How can you raise the pitch? How can you raise the volume without screaming? Now, I cannot blow my voice out. I love to go to a football game and scream, and I'll do that. But if I'm speaking the next day, I'm not going to scream the same way I scream if I have a couple of days off. <laughs> so you have to learn literally how to use this now, and you can tweak it. So if you're giving a talk and you have something really important you want to stress, instead of yelling at people, drop your voice down. Do it in a whisper. And it's like they have to lean in. They have to listen just a little bit harder, and you can pace it a little bit differently. And then you can blow them away with, and surprise, and then they jump back in their chair because you own them. You literally have them wrapped up in that roller coaster, that ebb and flow. But that's where the art of speaking is. There's a whole art and craft. You can do a speech, but if you're going to be a public speaker, you need to learn the art of public speaking. You know, we, we, we've been talking about this this thing that, you know, you found called confidence. And a lot of times that <clears throat> when people are talking about speaking, they're, they're thinking that the person that's going to be speaking is some sort of leader or someone that's made an impact on, on other people and that they're, you know, this, this high level type person that, you know, has been doing this forever. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed that you actually talk about is is leadership. And that, you know, maybe that there are specific things that, 
you know, leaders, but not just maybe leaders, but just people in general when they're speaking, you know, risks that they should take. And so as we're leaning into 2020, there's a lot of pent up energy, you know, from last year, which which leaders are, again, executing on now. What do you think is one of the things that speakers or or even business leaders shouldn't hesitate to implement in this year as we're as we're going forward? Number one, uh, JC, is they have to get on the virtual stage, as I call it. You are going to do webinars. You are going to do podcasts. You are going to do streaming content. You are going to have Zoom meetings. Um, so you have to learn what I'm coaching is media skills. You are now a broadcaster. You are now mm. on TV. So you need to learn the skills of a broadcaster, and you need to learn how to use your voice and part of your body. 70% of what we communicate is with nonverbal cues, our body language. If you're on a Zoom call, if you are doing a training session, you need to have at least half your body torso in camera frame so you can see your face, your body, your hands, your arms. So you need to learn broadcast TV skills. You need to learn where your hands can go and where they can't go. You need to learn how to use a microphone now instead of just using the open-air microphone with all the background sound. People are going to hate that. We've all been on calls like that, haven't we? So you have to learn how to use the technology and start learning these broadcast skills so your events are flawless, your brand is intact, people feel confidence about your brand, and they see you as still a good leader. Because right now, as we saw through 2020, a lot of leaders really wobbled because they knew they were horrible on camera. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I actually just watched not too long ago uh, a, a video uh, from Gary V. And I don't watch Gary V nearly as much as I used to just because, it, again, there's just so much content that's out there these days. It's like you almost feel like you're you're there's too much out there. And so it was very rare that I actually followed a lot of the people that got me into podcasting and, and, you know, being going using this as a medium. And so one of the things that he was actually talking about, it was I think the entire conversation was like 50 minutes and he was talking about some of the things that that marketing looks like going forward. And one of the things that he dropped at the very beginning of the talk is that, you know, you're going to have to get used to, you know, (laughs) dropping five to 15 posts on social. In our case, it would be like LinkedIn, but just putting that much out there to really kind of get your, your name out there. And, you know, when he said that, you should have seen some of the hesitation for the people that were on the call because they're just like, I, I really been big into quality and I'll only post once a month or, you know, something like that. And, and then he gets back into it and he's like, okay, well that it's more along the lines of coming from your own perspective. Maybe it isn't five to 15. Maybe it is a few pieces of good quality, content that people, when you actually do get on the pedestal and, and, and do what you do that, you know, people appreciate it and they, they're, they, they've come to expect that from you. But the point is, is that you need to get out there and you need to be more in front of other people. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of agree with you more. Well, and, and, and now you're stepping into what I call the soundbite culture. So what he was describing was you're going to have the soundbite culture shorter, more content. Mm. It's not going to be the 15 minutes. It's not going to be the two hour business meeting that we used to have for boardrooms. It's going to be sound by culture. You have Twitter, you have Instagram, you have TikTok. all these short term media groups are popping up. You can learn to say quality in less characters, in less verbiage, 
but you can have more of it more often. So it's like TV episodes now. You, you, you don't get it all in one TV episode. And the best thing about TV episodes, they always have a cliffhanger. Before every commercial break, there's a cliffhanger to make you come back after the commercial. If we run mm-hmm. our businesses and our information that way, our media content that way, now we are getting into something where our clients, our employees, everyone's going to come back for more because less is more if it's done well. Well, I think that that raises some great questions that, you know, if you're – behind a computer and now you're going to be facing a camera you're going to be talking in a microphone what are some tips and tricks to to maintain a good virtual stage presence and not feel like you are just uh very uncomfortable and and staring at yourself in the small little window on zoom etc how do you do that so that you actually come across as authoritative, comfortable, confident, and natural. So, Andy, I've, I've got five E's that I talk about in a lot of my coaching, and they're the five elements of virtual. Uh, the first one is energy. Uh, you're, you're now in a room by yourself, and you guys being podcasters totally get this. You're in a room by yourself, but you're playing to a fictitious audience. Now, you may have them on video camera, but there's no applause. There's no laughter. There's no playing to the energy that we get in the live stage from the physical stage. The energy now that this takes to perform, to keep them engaged, is a different form of energy. You have to be on. So before me coming on here, before anything that I do, even my own webinar show that I run, I play some music and I get jacked up. I get ready to go on stage. And it's like being back in the green room. You got to get the energy going so you're ready to play to the crowd. It's, it's going to zap you more. It's going to take more out of you. But the energy is one of the first things I tell it's, 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 you know, you can be passive. You can sit down or you can stand up. And when you stand up, your energy will always go up because you are now standing and you are performing. And then how are you going to get energized before you get on and start doing it? Because you want to hit the stage running. So energy is one of the very, very, very first things I talk about. Um, environment is a second one is, to me, I use a virtual green screen. So I, I'm actually on a physical stage. It's a virtual physical stage, but I can feel that I'm on a curtain, on a platform, a virtual office, a virtual background, or you can create a real environment where you can have a physical set, your bookshelf behind you, your office desk. Uh, all this environmental stuff creates your confidence of I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in my set my studio, and now I can bring everything I need to bring. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And, of course, lighting plays a key role as well, right? Yes, lighting would be part of the set, your environment. of Is it too bright, too dark? Uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, your clothing, your entire, you know, your dressing for success, that's part of your environment now. Uh, we've all seen the hoodies. The CEO, the executive, wearing their hoodies in their basement, Uh Come on, we're, we're, we're back in prime time. We're now back looking like we are professionals and we need to conduct ourselves. Um, engagement is one of the other ones. We're, we're, we're not doing monologues. You need to use the chat box. You, you need to use polls, questionnaires. You need to use the whiteboards. You, you need to do different things to engage your people. Uh, again, the average viewer watches TV, and every seven to eight minutes, there is a TV commercial. We are trained to get up to go to the bathroom, we have changed to click the channel for something else. So you need to change the way you engage your people 
to keep them more excited instead of just droning on and on and on. Plus, that goes back to the voice we talked about. You have to have a voice that's engaging. You've, you have to change the way you deliver this stuff. So, Rich, what would you say are maybe the top three common blunders you see CEOs make when they go on the virtual stage? Number one, it's their camera. Number one, they have it at, it's an angle coming sharply and it's like just angled down uh, or it's angled up and it's going right up their nose. Uh, it's off <laughs> the side angle. Um, just bad camera angle. You have you, you want to look into the camera like your eyeball to eyeball. The camera should yeah. become who you love and should become your best friend. And hmm. that's TV. Uh, you, you may have monitors and stuff, but your camera really is a person now. Uh, then it is going to be back to the lighting. Uh, we've all seen that uh, shadow on one side, bright light on the other, the old two-face. <laughs> it looks horrible. Uh, it's like, wow, you're glowing on one and you're really dark on the other, or you're in the shadows all the way, like a mobster trying to you know, give his disposition. Uh, or, <laughs> or, or, or you have the backlight coming in behind you and you're a gray mask because you're washed out from the back. You have to have good lighting. And then I think it really does come down to probably the, the third one is you have to present with confidence. I coach presentation skills more than anything else. If you're nervous, if you're fidgety, if, you, if your clothes look unkept, you're lacking the confidence on the physical stage. People will look at you and go, you're telling me your company is amazing and you look like you have no idea what you're doing. You may know your content well. You know, may, may know all your sales points. You may know everything. But if you do not show confidence with the camera lens, people will not buy, sell, click, or call you if you do not show it. So you need to really own it. And that's the, that's the whole confidence deal. So, Rich, one of the things that people do when we're on stage is we, we try to talk to three people in various points in the audience to make a connection with them. But when we're staring at a Zoom sort of Hollywood squares layout, where should we really focus our eyes to maximize the communication that's going on? That's talk to the camera. Because if you're mm. talking to the camera, people will all think you're looking at them. Uh, I, I always tell people, put your camera eye level. Now, if you want to monitor, you put the monitor either down below it, just a little bit off of eye point level so you can see the faces. Put it behind the camera that you're looking at. Mm. You can see it eye to eye. So it's where you place your monitor, but you want to look at the camera because it's going to feel like that firm handshake. We all love a good firm handshake. You're looking at the camera, that same thing. They're all going to feel like they are talking to me. Yes, it's mass media. You're talking to 30 people in the queue, but everyone's going to feel you are looking at me. That's a great yeah, tip. It, <laughs> there's, there's nothing quite like going into a Zoom room and I don't know, there's 20 plus people there and the guy that's actually talking, he's just looking all around him and just like having a conversation. Like someone's actually asking, asking him questions, but then he's, he's just like kind of talking over to his side and just like, is he looking for words to say? Is he in the moment? What's going on? And uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't agree with you more on that, that perspective. And I, I've seen that quite often, and it's just like, hmm, well, I don't know. Maybe people just kind of expect that from them at these points. But one of the other points that you brought up is that, uh, you know, checking out people's sets 
And I have to admit, I, I've become somewhat set envy over the over 2020. And, uh, you know, just kind of seeing what different people have have done. Um, there was one person that actually had a reflection. They were using a mirror and they were conversing through the mirror. And it was like a corner of the mirror. It was very artistic, very it just is just kind of interesting. And anytime that I see these interesting setups like this, I'm always taking screenshots, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the things, you know, you mentioned that you're in, in C-suite. And I have to admit, like, I don't know if it was you that gave Jeff the, the pointers to do what he does. But his whole backdrop when when he's actually in a conversation is black, right? But at the same time, I love his away picture, Right. And what I'm talking about is is the one where he's on, you know, has has his 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 fist underneath his chin and he's like looking straight forward with his glasses on. Yeah. I mean, I totally think that you, you totally think he's there, you know, and it's just like, oh, he's not there. But it's it, it's just those small little things that you're talking about that really makes, you know, people's impressions of like you actually came prepared and you actually thought about some of these things. Well, and like we talk about Jeffrey Hazlett, you, you, you have a guy who's been on TV. He, he knows right. he's been marketing, branded. So you have a guy like that. He gets it. He's ahead of the curve. Broadcasters are ahead of the curve on this. Um, this is where you can learn from people like myself, from Jeffrey, and look at that and go, okay, you know what? That is so cool and so smooth. Why can't I do that? And if you're not, right. you really should be. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that you had mentioned in a previous chat, uh, we were talking about technologies. And some of the things that moving forward, you know, people should be aware of that's coming down the pipeline. Uh, one was uh, actually a software that overlays a virtual event over an actual event. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Done a, a lot of software kind of research on. I've done a lot of research since then on on that. But are there anything else? I mean, as far as the the virtual space and people embracing this this world more and more, some of the other things that people should be looking forward to. Yeah, first of all, this this is a mindset, a uh, huge mindset, JC, is that the virtual stage is ever-expanding right now. There is no limit to what we have. This little Zoom box is not little. This is a very powerful beginning. You can be in Australia and in Canada the very same day. Mm-hmm. You you can't fly that in the same day. So this is very powerful. So technology is going to keep going forward. Uh, there are virtual platforms that look like you're at a conference center. And it's, it's like you're on the ceiling looking down at the conference center and you have tables and you can literally interact with the people at the tables, but you have a keynote speaker on the real state. And so they are being beamed in like a Zoom video presentation on the big stage. Everyone can watch it. Now, if you and JC, you know, if if you guys all saw each other hanging out and Andy sees you, he could beam over to you, like message you and say, hey, JC, let's go to a private room off stage and you go to a private room and the two of you can talk on video while the main event's going. So now you have an actual event center virtually. You can sell products that way. You can actually set up virtual booths. So if you're an author that has a book and you're a speaker, you could do your keynote address, say, come on back to my virtual booth. And now you're selling your product just like you did at the back of the live physical event. This is happening now. And I know platforms that are growing exponentially. Um, I actually know of one where you create an avatar and you are now an animated avatar and animated avatar people come and hear you speak 
you are talking, you are moving your hands, and it screen captures your real body movement through the avatar on the virtual space. Mind-blowing. Yeah, right now it's really never-ending. Huh. Speaking of never-ending, we are always looking into the future to try to figure out where that path's going to lead us here as we enter into 2021 with some hopefully new opportunities and hopefully a refreshed restart on on a future that that has some optimism to it what are you most excited about for this upcoming rest of the year and 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 what do you think is really going to be the biggest shift that's going to change in your particular business well I'm very excited that the virtual stage is not going to go away. No matter what we do, uh, we are going to have a hybrid. Even if we go back, when we go back to full physical location, the speaking world now has changed. So there's the John Maxwells. There's the Andy Stanleys. There's all these great, great, great speakers. They will always get the marquee live events. But now we'll have more platforms as speakers because now we might be able to be beamed in and be a secondary speaker in a breakout room. We can be added to the lineup and go to a small venue. These small venues that have never been able to have events. They haven't been able to compete with the big stages of Vegas and whatever. Now a small community can do it at a Holiday Inn, have some local guy be the local live person, but they can beam you in and you can have three or four keynote speakers at a small venue that seats 200. We're not losing stages now. We're gaining stages because you don't have the bad food. You don't have the bad hotels. You don't have the travel lag. You literally can add more stages. So the speaking world is going to see a big boost of more venues for more speakers, both physical and phys- uh, and also virtually. Hmm. And That's so great. me as a speaker, I, I love to speak on stage. How many podcasts can you do in a week? How many virtual TV shows can you do in a week? It's going to be endless that way. Um, and so for me personally, I do have my own TV show. Uh, it is on C-Suite right now, and that's being picked up and picked up and growing. So I'm literally creating my own little media empire right now. And who would have thought we were going to be talking about that when 2020 shutdown first began? Everyone thought it was right. doom and gloom. Now mm-hmm. we're creating new industries through a pandemic, industries that did not exist, but you can now have your own media empire because of what the shutdown brought us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a, a really interesting conversation. I'm, I'm sure we could actually dive deep in, deeper into it. And just, uh, yeah, I have a lot of questions, but I'll respect everybody's time. Um, and so as we're wrapping things up, always end things with the uh, rapid fire question segment. And the first question that I normally ask is what are, who are three influencers or teachers that have launched people where you're at today? But because you are in the speaking world. Who are three speakers or influencers that have launched you where you're at? Yeah, Harry Carey was number one. Uh, Cubs baseball. Gotta love Harry Carey. Uh, a pastor named uh, Erwin McManus, uh, Mosaic Church out of California. That would be number two. Uh, and then my pastor growing up, the one that first affirmed me and really loved on me, uh, Fred Finks, a wonderful man. He just really spoke into my life. So what's the biggest plot twist that you've experienced on your journey in life so far? I really have to say my speaking because I I hated 
I could not read out loud in school. I would run out of the room crying because the students would ridicule me and tease me and call me horrid names. And now I make my living coaching people. The intro of my bio often reads, professional speaker coach that stutters, welcome to the stage. So to me, this is one of the biggest plot twists of I get to use my weakness for greatness. Hmm. What's something that every high school student must know? Risk earlier. I wasted a lot of time not doing the things that I really wanted to do. So to me, it's go do it and go do it sooner than you ever thought. That's some great advice. And speaking of advice, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received uh, is, you know what, um, I, I am a visionary dreamer. And more and more people have told me over the years, follow those crazy dreams. I love Walt Disney uh, because he's a dreamer. People have told me, follow your dreams. Don't hide them. Really go after them. Good, solid advice there. And then the final question, what's it mean to live a life of abundance? You know, the life of abundance is not about finances. It's about people. It's about relationship. The life of abundance is every day I get up and this is a great adventure. Even through my liver transplant, even through all the things I've gone through, this is a great adventure. So the life of abundance to me, I get up, I have 24 hours and I'm going to go seize the day have the best day I possibly can. That's it. Hmm. Uh, I love that one. That's a good answer. Well, Rich, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the show with us today. Uh, a lot of good stuff. And I'm really looking forward to a lot of what you're you know, talking about and, and seeing how I can up my game a bit by t using some of the notes that we've uh, I've been able to take from this discussion. Uh, again, you can be found at richbontrager.net. Where can people find you on the socials? Yeah, LinkedIn, Rich Trigger Bond Trigger, pretty easy to find me. If you Google Rich Trigger Bond Trigger, you'll find my Twitter, my Facebook. I do have a Facebook group for communities like this to coach people up. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it, is just uh, find me with Rich Trigger Bond Trigger or Keynote Speaker on Twitter. All right. Thank you. Super Rich, rich. all you. the best. Thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it, JC. Andy, really love my time with you. So there you guys have it, you know, with as many stages that are popping up around the world, especially on the internet, none of us want to be part of a Zoom room or a, a virtual conference that's dead on arrival. And the work that Rich is doing is something that all business owners are going to have to embrace going forward, I think. Not just those of us who are traditionally considered online business owners, because, well, we're, we're all online businesses now. So that said, I wanted to make sure I got you all some great reference videos to check out when you're done with today's conversation. In the show note extras, I have a collection of videos from his YouTube channel, the first of which is about green screens and how he uses them. Then he shares how comics actually helped him get over his stuttering problems. And then I have another interview of his where host Paco Guar asks how podcasters and vloggers can speak and present on the virtual stage in impactful ways. And then finally, I have a recording of his show, How to Rock the Virtual Stage, where he's interviewing educator Tyler Christensen about how he uses the virtual stage as a teacher with his students. So lots of good stuff if you want to take the conversation to the next level. And again, you can check those out in the other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 194. 
So that's a wrap for session 194. Remember, the world is quickly changing and those who know the role in it and are going to get ahead much faster than those who don't. Do the inventory check on yourself by finding your purpose, passion, and process so you know where you're at in the world and figure out how to get to where you want to be. You can do so for free by grabbing my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. So with that said, thanks for spending some time with Rich, Andy, and me. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care of whatever you're creating, and we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.